I'm excited to be able to talk to you guys today about Revelation chapter 4. This is where um, John makes the transition of the letters that Jesus was speaking to him to the churches, and he starts giving him a vision of what's going on in heaven. It's really cool. Uh, so we're skipping chapter 3. Bob's going to hit that when we come back. So that'll be the last set of letters to the churches. Uh, Bob and Gabe are on vacation. They, uh, they went and climbed Mount Rainier on Monday. Uh, so if you saw any of the pictures on uh, Facebook or Instagram, it's, it's beautiful, and they're having a great time. Um, they'll be back tomorrow, and uh, so I get the opportunity to fill in for you guys. Um, wasn't Pastor Craig's message last week awesome? Listen, obey, trust. What a powerful message. And you think about that, and it sounds like so basic, but it's good to be reminded of that. And when you think about going back through your life every time that God talked to you, if you listened to him and you obeyed what he told you to do and you trusted him, there was always an upgrade for you. There was always something on the other side that he had for you. So I just, uh, it really resonated with me. And I just uh, blessed Pastor Craig for giving that message. And just to hear about what the kids did on the mission trip and how God put that together in two months instead of a year, it was amazing. Um, so uh, diving in, uh, like Pastor Bob said, if you, this is the only book in the Bible that if you hear the words or read the words, you'll be blessed. At least it says that about that in Revelation. So we're going to read through. Uh, it's a short chapter, and then I'll dive in. It says, after this, I looked, and there in heaven was an open door. The first voice that I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. Immediately, I was in the spirit, and a throne was set there in heaven. One was seated on the throne, and the one seated looked like jasper and carnelian stone. A rainbow that looked like an emerald surrounded the throne. Around that throne were 24 thrones, and on the throne sat 24 elders dressed in white clothes with gold crowns in their heads. Flashes of lightning and rumblings of thunder came from the throne. Seven fiery torches were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Something like a sea of glass, similar to crystal, was also before the throne. Four living creatures covered with eyes in front and in back were in the middle and around the throne. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings. They were covered with eyes around and inside. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, 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 Lord God, the Almighty, who was, who is, and who is coming. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to the one seated on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before the one seated on the throne, worship the one who lives forever and ever, cast their crowns before the throne, and say, Our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things, and because of your will, they exist and were created. That's a pretty cool picture. Now, if you had just picked up Revelation and read that for the first time, you might think well, that John must be from Colorado. <laughs> He's smoking something, right? Beasts with wings and eyes all over the place, that kind of stuff. It's like, really? Okay. So it, when, uh, one of the things that was impressed on me uh, when I was preaching this or preparing for this this week was that this is not stuff that's in the future. This is stuff that's going on now, right now. It was going on when John was, uh, when it was revealed to John and is going on right now. So we're getting a glimpse of, of heaven. We're getting a glimpse of what is actually occurring right now in this moment and will be for eternity. It's pretty powerful when you think about that and put that into perspective. So verse one, it starts out after this. After what? Uh, after Jesus told John uh, what to write to the churches in chapter 3, and after he had seen the vision of Jesus walking around amidst the candlesticks, um, he said, after this, I looked and there was an open door. 
So we don't know what that looks like. He just says there was an open door. It could be a door like that or it could be a gateway, but he got a glimpse into heaven and he was asked to come up into it. John's glimpse through the open door demonstrates that what he saw is already occurring and is settled in heaven. Whatever is transacted on earth is first designed and settled in heaven. We know this because in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught us to pray earth to heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. So it's a little tip for you. When you're praying, remember that the things you're praying for are already settled in heaven. And it's our job as Christians and as believers to speak that into our life here on earth. That's, that's what he means when he says, pray heaven to earth. So if you're praying for somebody who needs a job, if you're praying for somebody who has a broken relationship, if you're praying for somebody who's got an injury, God says, I've already settled it in heaven. You need to speak it here. He uses us to bring heaven to earth. So when you're speaking a job over somebody, you say, God, I know you got the perfect job for this person, and I pray you bring it to him in your timing. Same thing with broken relationships or anything that you're praying for. Speak it into heaven as though it were because God says it's already settled in heaven. Um, he said Jesus speaks again to John like a trumpet. And some theologians believe like a trumpet means just with an authoritative voice. But we also uh, hear when Jesus returns, he's going to come with a blast of a trumpet. So it could be it was accompanied by a trumpet or it was just Jesus speaking in an authoritative voice. John doesn't go further into that or give us any... Uh, any uh, inkling as to far as what it really meant, but he, we know it was big and loud, right? Um, we also know it's Jesus because the next sentence in my Bible is in red letters. But uh, <laughs> there's another reason why. We also know um, because he said it was the first voice that spoke to him. And when he talks in, in chapter one, it was, he clarified that it was Jesus and almost the whole chapter is Jesus speaking to him. He said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. In verse 2, he says, immediately I was in the spirit. Now whether that was physically in the body in the spirit or just his mind or just his spirit, we don't know and he doesn't see either. And it's possible that he couldn't even tell because he was in the uh, spiritual state when he was getting the revelation. Um, what we can infer from this is that uh, for a time, uh, any kind of physical sense was suspended. He, didn't, he never mentioned anything about I felt this he just said, I saw this and I heard this. He didn't say, I felt or I walked around or anything like that. But he got a glimpse of what we're about to talk about. So before we dive into this, when I was praying to uh, ask about what, did you, what was your heart for this message, God? What did you really want me to convey to the church? He said, I just want you to give them a glimpse of the throne room. I want you to bring them into the throne room. Um, so we have some images that we're going to throw up here. Um, and they're just artist renditions but it's something that helps give you like a, a concrete picture in your mind of what John was talking about. Is it accurate? We don't, we don't know because we're not John. We weren't there, but we can go based off of what he told us in Revelation chapter four. So as we dive into this, um, I hope you'll think about these pictures. And then afterwards when we worship, think about these pictures that we're seeing and think about the fact that you're gonna be sitting there in the same place. How would you worship Jesus and God the Father if you were standing right there in the throne room? So uh, John begins to describe what he saw when he was in, invited into the heavens, starting with God on the throne. John writes, the one seated looked like Jasper and Carnelian. Jasper is described as a water crystalline brightness representing God's holiness. And that's kind of that, that greenish uh, hue behind there and then the sides of the throne there. That's, that's that uh, Jasper color. Uh, let's see. The carnelian is a fiery red and represents God's justice and his fiery wrath. Now, when we think about wrath in the human nature, oftentimes we think of wrath as anger, right? 
That's not what it's talking about here. This is talking about God's ultimate power. This is the guy who spoke the world into existence. It says he holds the universe in the span of his hands. That's what that red, that carnelian ring represents. A rainbow that looked like an emerald surrounded the throne. And this was interesting to me too because it says the rainbow surrounded the throne. But here on earth, we only see half of a rainbow or even a little sliver of a rainbow. We never see a full circle rainbow. This says it surrounded the throne. And to me, what that means is it represents God's eternity and his, his all-powerfulness. He, you know, um, everything about God is complete, and so the rainbow is complete in heaven. Uh, it also represents God's perfection, um, and it's often seen as corresponding to the mercy seat described in Exodus 37, 6. So we know that the mercy seat was on top of the ark, and they had the, the seat on top of the ark cover, and then the cherubim had their wings covering that mercy seat. This is the real, the physical mercy seat where God sits. And that mercy seat on the ark represents this. Verse 4 goes on to describe the 24 thrones and the 24 elders sitting on the thrones. <clears throat> Excuse me. In white clothes with gold crowns. Um, now, what are the 24 elders? There's a couple different theories on that. Some believe that the 24 represent David and Solomon and several of the Old Testament prophets. Uh, prophets. Um, but commonly, people believe it's 12 patriarchs from the Old Testament and the 12 apostles from the New Testament. Um, what, we, what we know based on the description of those elders is that those are those who, they died before us. They went before us. They're, they're the church. They're the faithful ones who have fought the good fight. They ran the good race, and they finished. Um, there are also a lot of parallels to this in the Old Testament in Daniel and Ezekiel. Verse 5 Flashes of lightning and rumblings of thunder came from the throne. Um, if you go back to the first image, please. So we can see the uh, artist has the lightning coming out there. You can't hear the thunder, but we all know what thunder sounds like. And I don't think it's like, <laughs> that kind of stuff. I think it's the rumbling thunder you hear when a storm's starting to roll in. It's just there's always that kind of presence, that rumble, that low feeling of power coming through. That's to me, is what I, what I see when I, when I look at that. Uh, generally considered tokens of God's power and light, the lightning and the thunder. Um, the seven lampstands are similar to the lampstands in the tabernacle of the Old Testament, and they're referred to as the seven spirits of the Lord in Revelation 4. They're outlined in Isaiah 11.2. We know number seven is the number of perfection, and the lampstands are generally thought to refer to the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and of understanding the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So those are the seven in Isaiah 11 too. So it could possibly explain why the seven spirits of God, uh, the spirit of the Lord, spirit of wisdom, spirit of understanding, spirit of counsel, spirit of power, spirit of knowledge, spirit of the fear of the Lord. And the Bible doesn't tell us specifically who or what the seven spirits are, but that they are the Holy Spirit seems most likely to most scholars. Verse 6 is the sea of glass. And now what's, people kind of glass over this a lot, no pun intended. Um, he doesn't say, I saw a sea of glass. He says, I saw something that appeared to be a sea of glass. And what that means to me is it's something he's never seen before. He didn't know how to explain it. He couldn't describe it fully. So it's something that appeared to be like a sea of glass. 
uh, uh, let's see, it appears to be something he could not fully explain. Chances are that John was trying to convey the vivid brilliance and the vast expanse and lucid purity of what he saw. Some believe it is the symbol of purity, complete absence of sin flowing from God's throne. So again, this is going on right now in heaven. There's no sin in heaven. And when we're made perfect, we're going to experience the same thing. That's pretty cool. But we can speak that into our lives right now. Every day, part of my prayer life is confessing the sins I did before, whether I got mad at somebody on the road and cussed or whatever. You know, if I felt I had pride the day before, I'm confessing what my sins are to God because he's already saying, you're free from those. You're free from those. And I have to continue to claim that every day. I'm free from those sins. Uh, there are three times we get the glimpse, uh, four times actually, we get a glimpse of these, uh, the crystalline sea throughout the Bible, and each one builds on the next one. First one is uh, Moses in Exodus 24.10. He says, I was transported to heaven, and he calls it something like a pavement made of sapphire stone, as clear as the sky itself. And he, get, he doesn't say it was a pavement, he says it was something like a pavement made of sapphire. The second time is in Ezekiel 1.22. Ezekiel says, the shape of an expanse with a gleam like awe-inspiring crystal was spread out over the four beasts. And again, it says it was the shape of an expanse, but he couldn't tell you what that meant. Was it a lake? Was it a big pavement? Was it an open field? Something that he saw in a vision. The next one is what we're talking about now in chapter 4. And then in chapter 15, verses 2 through 4, John says, I also saw something like a sea of glass. And again, it's something like a sea of glass, not a sea of glass. Mixed with fire and those who had won the victory over the beast. His image and the number of his name were standing on the sea of glass with harps from God. They sang the song of God's servants, Moses, and the song of the Lamb. Great and awe-inspiring are your works, Lord God, the Almighty. Righteous and true are your ways, King of the nations. Lord, who will not fear and glorify your name, because you alone are holy. For all the nations will come and worship before you, because your righteous acts have been revealed. So for me, when I look at the sea of glass and the way these uh, prophets and uh, you know, Moses and Ezekiel and John are talking about the sea of glass. It's a place of worship. It's a place of purity. So when we're, when we're finally in heaven and we're in the throne and we're standing on that sea of glass. So that, I see that as that's worship from us, from believers, from worshipers. And um, Justin, if you go back to the first image, please. You can also see that there's the sea of glass there in this guy's image that they're all standing on and uh, resting on. So in uh, verses 6 and 7, John describes the four beings. And so, again, this is an artist's image. They could look like this. They could be completely different. But based on the description, this is one person's interpretation. Um, John describes them with uh, faces like a lion, a calf, a man, and a flying eagle. They had six wings and eyes all about them. Some people uh, refer to these as the cherubim. But based on the research I did, they're not cherubim, they're seraphim. Because every time we see cherubim described, they have four wings. Seraphim have six wings. These are seraphim. The seraphim's job uh, throughout the Bible is to worship God. That's what they do. They surround God and they worship him. They're always flying around and they're worshiping God. So these beasts are ever-present in God's presence. Wouldn't that be cool? Always in God's presence? Well, guess what? You are. God says, I am there with you, right? I never leave you or forsake you. If you think you're all alone, you're not because you're still there in God's presence. That should be a comfort to a lot of people. Let's see. Isaiah 6.2 describes the seraphim. 
Seraphim were standing above him. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called to the other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. His glory fills the whole earth. So to me, it was interesting that even back then, they were still saying the same thing. Holy, 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 right? And here we see him in, in John's vision of the throne room in Revelation 4. They're crying out, holy, holy, holy. The seraphim appear to be heavenly worship leaders. The rest of chapter 4 describes that every time the beasts cry, holy, 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 the 24 elders fall down before God and cast their thrones before the throne, and they say, Our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things, and because of your will, they exist and were created. I wanted you to note that John doesn't describe any of these images with terror. He's not afraid of them. He's awe-inspired of them. And so there's no fear in heaven. So you see something like this, and I'm like, I bet we could go up and hug it, you know, or, or pet it, or talk to it, or nuzzle it in the face, because there's no fear there. It says the lion will lie down with the lamb, right? So if the lion can lie down with the lamb, why can't I go up and, and hug that bull? I think they're loving creatures. God created them. And again, there's, there's no sin. There's, there's nothing negative in heaven. It's all positive. So when you think about these visions that John's revealing to us in Revelation, remember that it's, it's all good. There's nothing bad. There's, there's no nothing adverse to it, it's going to be a place of wonder. And you think about, this is just the throne room. This isn't all of heaven. This is just the throne room where God resides. That's pretty cool. Um, worship team, you guys can start coming up. I really, uh, I can't wait to see this myself with my own eyes. It's, uh, you think about the way he described it. And it's, again, like I said, if you didn't know this was the Bible, you'd think, well, who the heck wrote this thing? You know, this guy's on drugs or something. But, but it, was a, it was a revelation from Jesus to John so that he could help us understand what heaven looks like and what the throne room looks like so that we can help speak that into earth. Uh, we're going to transition into communion at this point. And what I want you to do as we go into communion, um, you know what, and I didn't ask anybody to serve communion. John, would you, would you guys serve communion? You got it? Thank you. Never mind. Never mind. Um, I want you to think about the images we just talked about. If, if you need to, close your eyes and put yourself in the throne room. And if you're standing here right there face-to-face -face with God, what would your worship look like? So, thank you very much, guys. Shine.
flashes of lightning, rolls of thunder. We'll sing on our strength and glory and power be to you, the only wise King. Yeah, yeah. Holy, 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 Son, Lord God. Holy 